This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's all over. It's official. We are now in the fag end of Conservative rule. There's only a year or so before the next general election, and the opposition has an insurmountable lead. The polling average has them about 18 points ahead of the Tories. What do I mean by insurmountable? Well, there is no precedent for the government being able to claw back enough support to stay in office. Bear in mind, they need a majority because ain't no one going to form a coalition with this lot. Um, so as the brilliant polling number cruncher El Fellow writes, in almost all cases, the government does claw back some support in a run-up to an election. This is a swing-back effect that the government enjoys. Now, you can see how that's going to happen in the case of the Conservatives because a chunk of their old supporters are currently telling pollsters that they don't know who they're going to vote for. They're basically disillusioned, annoyed, with the current government, but they haven't made the jump uh, to Labour. Now, expect some of those to grumpily march back to the Conservatives. They're not happy, but they'll end up going, well, we're going to stick with the Tories, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that that matters because at the moment they're taken out of the polling pie, if you like. So they come back in and they'll increase the Tories' uh, polling position. But you see, as Fallon points out, to win a majority, the Tories need to win the popular vote by about seven points. So they would need to narrow the polling gap in the space of a year by 25 points. Now, that has never happened in history. On, on average, in fact, since 1945, the government's only managed to narrow uh, the polls by six points, which would still give Labour a 118-seat majority. The biggest shift uh, recorded was Harold Wilson narrowing the polls by 20 points in a year, but he's still lost, and if that happened with the Tories, they wouldn't be able to form a government either. Um, in other words, game over. That's that really, isn't it? There's nothing they can do. I mean, also, you know, if they were going to go way above the average and still lose, um, they would have to show huge political skill. They'd have to have a nice popular leader that has big... They don't have any of these things. And in fact, I think the only way is down for them really, isn't it? So... What I want to talk about is how did the Conservatives end up so cooked after winning an 80-seat majority back in 2019? What will the historians judge were the key factors? I want to go through the main reasons, but I want to hear yours too. Number one, austerity. Now, the perverse genius of this economically ruinous policy was that the Conservatives succeeded in making the electorate, or a lot of the electorate, for a long time blame Labour for the cuts that George Osborne introduced with catastrophic consequences for millions of people. Now, how did they do that? Well, they revised history. You see, the reason we actually ended up with a deficit was because of a whopping big financial crash. Western countries all ended up with big deficits as a consequence. Uh, that's because uh, tax revenues went <clears throat> down, and as people lost work and so on, spending had to go up, you ended up with a big structural deficit. Now, what actually happened is... The Tories backed Labour spending pound for pound. 
until 2008. But then they changed their tune and basically claimed that Labour spent too much on EG schools and hospitals, and that's why Britain was in a mess. And Labour failed to defend their own record. This is a really, really fundamental point. Labour should have fought back, defended their record, but they ended up essentially caving to what the Conservatives said. And you ended up with left-wing critics of New Labour having to defend New Labour's spending record from New Labour people themselves. Anyway, that's what happened. But we had rock-bottom interest rates for years, and they could have invested, they chose not to, and what they did is, after not having that, losing that disastrous lost opportunity, um, is now the chickens are truly coming home to roost. You can see that with schools quite literally falling apart. Like, there's quite literally a danger of schools falling on children's heads and killing them. The same with hospitals. You, the, the public realm is literally falling to pieces. The country's disintegrating around us. Um, you can see it with local councils going bankrupt. A big reason for Birmingham, a big contributing factor. Um, you can see, the, you know, as cuts, the benefits expanded. Uh, more people were affected. Uh, and the impact of austerity hit home. Austerity lost consent, and people stopped thinking, well, this is Labour's fault, and actually were like, well, this is the Tories choosing to do this, and we're angry with them, and now they can see the actual real-world consequences. People are fed up with austerity, they're fed up with cuts, and that is a big reason that the Tories are in a huge, huge mess. Number two, the National Health Service falling apart. Now, when the Tories came to power under David Cameron and George Osborne, they instituted the longest squeeze, the worst squeeze in the NHS's funding as a proportion of the economy since it was founded in 1948. And although they would argue, well, actually, we increased spending on the NHS, and it was, you know, compared to other departments which they cut, uh, if you take into account inflation and so on, and an expanding population, um, spending per patient in real terms went down. Uh, obviously, you have an aging population. You had cuts to social care, which put more pressure um, on NHS, which was struggling. Jeremy Hunt, the former Secretary of State for Health, has himself admitted that as the pandemic came along, the NHS was understaffed. So the pandemic collided with a disastrously under-resourced National Health Service. Then when you throw in pay cuts, the nurse, the average nurse, having a five grand in real terms pay cut since 2010, the average paramedic, six and a half thousand, that helps contribute to a staffing crisis. Harder to retain staff, harder to recruit staff, uh, as well as the worsening conditions. Um, not least, you have less staff, you get the staff who are there are overworked. One in 10 nurse positions are currently vacant. Um, that's all contributed to the NHS essentially falling apart. Record waiting lists of 7.6 million people. 7.6 million people. That's a lot of exasperated people, and many of them will choose not to vote for the Conservatives as a consequence. Number three, the longest squeeze in living standards since the Napoleonic age. A squeeze without precedent in history. Now, this alone, in my view, is enough to bugger up a government. You know, the fact by 2026, the average Britain is projected to still be poorer than 2008. You know, when you, when you have a, a nation with its living standards stagnating and declining, you rob the electorate, your citizens, of optimism, a sense of things always improving, uh, which is obviously very important, I think, to the human condition. Uh, that squeeze in living standards, the sense of just stagnating, of getting poorer, of struggling, that is a key reason, one of the main reasons that the Tories are going to lose. Uh, next, scandal. Uh, Partygate, obviously, being, I think, the biggie. Um, and that's because... Uh, 
you know, the reason that was such an unprecedented scandal, and I think it is an unprecedented peacetime, or just unprecedented scandal in democratic British history, is it, it was a gut punch for millions of people. Because people obviously couldn't hold the hands of their dying relatives. People suffered terrible solitude and loneliness and the huge sacrifices they couldn't make. And then they saw the government, which was finger-wagging in their faces to abide by the rules or else. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Partying, getting pissed, getting so pissed they were vomiting, having karaoke sessions and, and all the rest of it. Uh, well, that obviously just hit people really hard and made them furious. And I think, again, Partygate is such a big, you know, that alone obviously is enough, I think, to spend send the Tories into a catastrophic uh, position, politically speaking. I mean, illegality, I mean, just the government doing illegal things in front of you, not exactly that helpful. And then there's just constant other scandals. The number of cabinet ministers have had to resign in scandal, things like the PPE scandal. It just looks like a government which is defined by corruption and scandal. And again, I think that's enough to finish off lots of governments, even if you didn't have all the things that I'm speaking about. Liz Tross, that is what sealed the deal. You see, when Boris Johnson went, the Tories were on average about seven points behind. By the time she'd finished, they were about 20 points behind or worse. Now, on its own, cutting taxes on the rich is unpopular enough, particularly during a cost of living crisis. But the fact that those policies crashed the economy and sent mortgage rates spiking, I mean, homeowners are a key point of the Conservative coalition. That's when a lot of voters just went, are you taking the absolute piss? They just made their minds up. Their view was, whatever you do or say from now on, we're not listening and we just want you out. Absolutely critical in understanding what happened. Next, internal division, political chaos. I mean, the fact you've had three prime ministers in one parliament is absolutely ridiculous and voters know it. They just look at that and think, you're not a serious government. We can't take you seriously at all. Uh, But also political crisis and likely defeat means internal discipline falls apart. Uh, the power of patronage of the Prime Minister disappears, and that feeds a positive feedback loop. You'll increasingly see Tories denouncing the government as discipline falls apart, and that will grow, make the political crisis grow. Internal discipline breaks down even further. The cycle continues. Next, out of ideas. They've got nothing left. Empty cupboard. They, this is a zombie parliament. In terms of legislation, they're not really doing very much in office because they can't really think of anything to do. They are out of ideas. So they look and feel directionless for a very good reason. They are directionless and that again is a key reason they face defeat finally oh no not finally no we've got two more to go immigration benefits ah so this is the kind of 
pressing a big red button to make people fear people, to make people hate the other, whether it be uh, foreigners or the poor, desperate red buttons that you press, the Tories press. Get angry with anyone but us, anyone but the powerful. It's those, it's the, it's the foreigner, it's the scrounger. Now, that doesn't work anymore. That's lost salience. They rant and rave about migrants and blame them for all the ills of society and refugees, and we can see them doing that, but it's not working. And the reason for that is the intensity around immigration has dissipated. Polling shows that people have more positive attitudes. And the consequences of conservative rule are so striking. It's so much difficult to just say, well, let's just blame foreigners for what's happened. Benefit claimants, you know, as I've talked about, they successfully demonised before, uh, under George Osborne in particular, it really did. You knock on people's doors and people start raving about so-called scroungers. That doesn't work anymore because more and more people got caught up in benefit cuts. So whipping up hatred to shift blame doesn't work because lots of people either suffered those cuts or knew people who who'd had suffered. You know, when you cut in-work benefits for low-paid workers, that's a lot of people and a lot of people affected and a lot of people who know people are affected. Again, big, big reason. Next, the media. Now, the media and key political journalists want access. And to gain and maintain access, that means not annoying the politicians you want it in with. The Tories benefited from that, and you, you've all seen it, so-called client journalism, where you get political journalists just regurgitating what they're told by the people at the top. Now, Labour are benefiting from that. They're seen as a government in waiting. So the media will keep competing over seeking out scandals to basically seal the Tories' fate. Things that are previously ignored or not taken seriously will be treated as epic crises for the government, while Labour, by contrast, will be treated with deference, hold close, lots of friendly briefings and treatment. Finally, the establishment just don't see Labour as a threat. They don't think Labour are going to do anything fundamental to shift wealth and power. And they're absolutely right, Labour are not going to do that. And so the media, the establishment, big business, all the rest of it, they're not going to do some big hysterical campaign against Labour because they're like, we're safe. Nothing will change. We'll be fine. Nothing fundamental anyway. Um, and so, I mean, that's a depressing note to, to end on because, woohoo, we are getting rid of the Tories. Take that as red. So when people go to me, oh, and stop criticising Labour, we need to stop the Tories from winning again. The Tories aren't going to win again. And, and, and me criticising Labour for not offering an inspiring alternative, uh, which will fix the crises, the injustices that define our nation, is not going to change that. Instead, we do need to shift, actually, a lot of scrutiny and focus onto the government in waiting, because they are going to take power. They're going to be in power almost certainly by the end of next year, and I think now we need to scrutinise what they're going to do. We need to think carefully about what they're going to do because they're going to take over the country. And herein ends why the Tories are doomed and why we do need to scrutinise the government in waiting. But I want to hear your thoughts. Why do you think the Tories are... Have I missed anything? It's quite a lot. I think that is enough to just... I mean, that is an unprecedented set of factors to just finish off a government. But I want to hear your thoughts, so do leave them in the comments. Do like and subscribe. Uh, do keep the show on the road on patreon.com forward slash omjones84 if you want all of this to continue. If you're sick in my face, then, you know, don't. Um, uh, listen to some podcasts. I'll see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.